What's going on and welcome to episode two of the Kicking It With podcast. My name is Zach Holcomb. I'm your host. And today we have Hargadeep Singh on with us and uh, we're going to chit chat about a whole bunch of fun stuff. I think we're going to cover uh, coming up in 3D printing, starting at the bottom and uh, and working our way up and how, you know, working with something that's your passion is it makes all the difference. And we're going to cover, let's see, we get into the Internet of Things uh, the 5G revolution and how it's going to change, how all this crazy stuff's going to be interlinked and work together. So that's what's coming up on episode two. Here you go. Hey, Zach, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Harger Deep? How are you doing, man? I'm good, brother. You know, you're one of the few who can pronounce my name right. <laughs> I can't give you that much. It's a lot of practice. It's a lot. Of, no, I'm just kidding. That's a. It's a. It's not too bad. That's not too bad. I I generally uh, refer to you as Deep around all my friends, so that uh that that makes it that makes it easy as well. So how are you doing, man? Welcome to the Kicking It With Harger Deep Singh podcast today. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. For sure, for this sure. This is uh, really cool, fun stuff that you started. I listened to your first podcast, and I said, man, I don't know where you get all this energy, but whatever you're eating, sleeping, drinking, you got to share the love with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm consuming the passion, man, consuming the passion for what I'm doing every day. That's what makes it easy, and that's what makes it fun and keeps it light, so... You know, if you're not uh, if you're not well, digging that, if you're not digging what you're doing every day, then uh, it can it can be dragging it can get dragging on you pretty quickly. So that's that's pretty much it, man. That's the jam. You're coming up with a tagline every time you talk. So <laughs> I like that. I consuming the passion. Hashtag that for this podcast. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. Hashtag passion. Put that in the in the <laughs> notes here. Perfect. Perfect. Well, cool, man. So you're out on the road today. You're out driving around. And you're heading out to see some uh, some customers and stuff like that. Or are you heading to another one of your fancy installs, man? You've been installing tons of machines lately. It's, it's a combination of both. I'm heading to uh, Quebec right now, um, and I'm on I'm on the highway right now heading there. Uh, it's going to be a mix of both. Uh, some of my team members need need to see me go over some of the new stuff that we're doing, and we're doing an install, a big major install. Um, so yeah, it's a mix of all that and following up with how customers are doing and make sure that their success is uh, is, is on par. Right on, right on. Yeah, it's good to see. I mean, uh, their success is our success, so that's cool. That's cool stuff, man. So uh, things with you. I think you got your third build unit, so you keeping the HP busy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're keeping it really full, and uh, yeah, we had to. We had to reach out and grab another build unit from HP. So yeah, we're up to three build units, a processing station, and a printer right now, and uh, we're still running, uh, still rocking the PA12 as our main material. And um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, you kind of know how that goes. It's not so much that the third build unit really, really expands what we're doing. It makes life a lot, a lot more comfortable for us, especially when we're. Um, we're flipping builds at night or in the mornings or weekends, stuff like that. It's cool to have that extra flexibility of having a, a third one loaded up and ready to go sometimes. But, um, yeah, it helps with meeting those, those really quick deadlines when, uh, you know, you get, we get hit up for a lot of stuff on Thursdays and Fridays and yeah, it helps to be able to turn all that stuff around and get it ready to ship. I think we, it's Monday for us today. So we just shipped out a ton of boxes. So we had that big Monday rush of, we loaded up the UPS guy and uh, told him we'll take it easy on him until, you know, Friday again. So that was pretty cool. That's fantastic. Keep it up. That's really good. good to hear. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. So, uh, so 
for the folks that don't know you, why don't you give me a little uh, a little history? Like, how did you get? What do you, what are you up to? Who are you? Who do you work for? And uh, kind of that company and a little bit of background information there. And then, uh, how'd you get into three D printing? All right. Well, I think this year marks my anniversary uh, in three D printing. I got in in the business about two thousand ten. Um, when the printing buzzword was just sort of kicking around, not many knew what the applications were. Not many knew what to do with a three D printer. It just started to sort of come out as a hype and I was taking mechanical engineering and I just happened to stumble upon a machine that was sitting there collecting dust and it was the Z Corp Spectrum 1500. That was my first machine. That was the gypsum powder based full color binder jetting process back in 2010 is what, what I was using. And because I was in mechanical engineering, I was specializing in design and drafting. And it was really awesome to see all the stuff that I would do on SolidWorks and other CAD stuff and and bring that to life and just see it in front of my hand. I just fell in love with the technology that how quickly I could take something that was digital to be something that's tangible. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time kind of thing. Um, my mentor, Dr. Farzad Raghani, he was uh, building out a lab, uh, a center for advanced manufacturing and design technologies lab at the time. And they needed somebody to do uh, internship or a co-op uh, and help out build that lab. And I said, listen, I'll volunteer. And that's how I got it. I got hooked into 3D printing. And we brought in lots of different processes, technology, stratuses, equipment, 3D systems, equipment, you name it. Renishaw's metal printer. So I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take ownership on that. And I remember about in 2012, I was spending more time at the institute than I was at my house. I, I, I had my backpack packed with all the essentials that I needed, and I was pulling all-nighters and sticking in the lab, just, you know, printing stuff, learning things, taking things apart. And that's how it all started. Um, and in the process of doing all that, I did a few publications with ASME under Farzad's uh, Regini's, uh supervision and did some competition with ASME and once we got recognized for those efforts, and we, we, we became the first international uh, champions for that IM3D challenge for ASME, that just really boosted my confidence. And I was like, okay, this is, this is my thing. I, I feel like I have this technology at my gut. I can, I can see where the trends are going. I can see the processes and technologies, the drawbacks, the failures, the pluses and the minuses. But I also had a fear at the time. I was like, okay, I, I spent a lot of time understanding this technology, but there's no jobs. If I went on a job site, there was not a job that was listed at the time in 2012 in Canada that I could look up that said they're looking for additive manufacturing application engineer or, or anything as such. So I remember very quickly having that conversation with, with the dean and said, hey, listen, I, I love this technology but are we going in the wrong path because I don't see anybody hiring for this. And as I'm exiting his office, believe it or not, I get an email from, from an employer that was looking for somebody to come on board as a business developer for 3D printing. And two months before I graduated, I, I got the job and, and, and then I never looked back then. So it, it's been an amazing journey, man. It's been every, every role I had related to this technology 
It had to be developed. I saw the technology grow, expand. It's been it's been very exciting. Right on, right on. That's really sweet, man. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's kind of cool that you uh, the timing of that. How you're like, man, what is going on? And then boom, there it comes. So right when you're like, I don't know about this. Things kind of coming through. I, I I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it is, you know, I, I let the world know. And when my wife and I got married, she introduced me to this book about the secrets and all that. And I said, I've been doing this all my life. I, I didn't even have to read the book. It's just when you're so passionate, I think you can relate to this. When you're passionate about something, you you're, you want to share with the rest of the world. So when I was doing things on 3D printers, even if I printed something that's like a small widget, I went around and showed it to everybody. And everybody started to recognize me for 3D printing. And they're like, you know, any opportunity that came, anything that came around that vertical, they all sort of, they were compelled to bring that up to me and said, hey, listen, these, have you looked at this opportunity or have you have you looked at this article? It was, it's really neat, you know, Just let the world know what you're passionate about and, and everybody helps out and, and helps you with your success. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. We kind of, uh, Brett and I, Brett Charlton on uh, the last episode, we kind of talked about that too, man, how it's kind of cool that um, by like sharing your passion, then other people share it back with you. And he kind of uh, had the same, same sort of a story that, you know, kind of like you've had. And then similar to mine where you're like the 3d printing guy amongst all your friends. And then uh, it's like, they start bringing art. You're like sharing everything with them for a while. And then all of a sudden they start sending you emails like, Hey, did you see that they're 3d printing houses in the third world? Isn't that really great? And you're like, I know, right. Isn't that fantastic? Like we could even use that here in America and in North America and all that fun stuff too. So yeah, I love that, man. That's awesome. That's cool stuff. The other thing I love, man, is the uh, going in and pulling all nighters at the, and the lab, I totally hear you on that stuff. Sometimes I feel like I don't even want to leave and go home because I'm having so much fun doing the stuff. And then uh, my wife's like, hey, you know, I made fajitas tonight and it's nine o'clock and you never came home. So I'm like, I'm usually in trouble for that. But she hooked me up with the, uh, yeah. she hooked me up tonight. She was like, hey, I'm making fajitas. And if you just come home and take a break, like a lunch break, but call it a dinner break. I'll let you go back to work after you're done eating. So I was like, all right, yeah, let's go hook it up. Fajitas. I'll, I'll definitely be home for those tonight. <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> you're going to get, yeah, you'll, you'll get in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is like, I guess you can relate to this. It's really important to have your partner very supportive in this. And I've been fortunate with that. I, I think you've been quite lucky in that regards too. You know, when, when Harmon and I, we got married and, she knew all about 3D printing from the conversation that me and I, her and I used to talk about all the time and she'd go tell her friends and, and they would still think about 3D printing as something that you would print on a paper. Right. And, but she's, she's seen the, she's seen the growth of this vertical also in the last 10 years and so on. And, and, uh, you know, you gotta have your partner that's supportive and that's the only way, you know, one can follow the passion. So I've been, I've been fortunate with that. We got a two year old and uh, she's busy taking care of, taking care of him, you know, it's terrible too. It's lots of energy that he needs to burn out. And I'm out and following the passion. So, you know, somebody got to keep on the grind, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It takes a village, man. That's for sure. The support system is crucial to, uh, to, uh, you know, folks and like us being able to, to put in the extra time to, you know, chasing our passion and doing the things that we, we have to do to kind of, uh, build it up and start from the bottom and make it, make it through. And, um, and, and get that stuff done. It's, it's cool too, man. I mean, like with my wife, she totally, she grew up in a home with, uh, 
with like with two folks that were building a business pretty much the whole time that she was growing up. So she kind of, she was an only child, but, um, but she kind of like grew up in that same environment. And so I, man, I totally credit a lot of her, um, ability to put up with me is totally, totally a credit to her parents, uh, kind of making it work while they were doing the same thing. I know she used to, they used to tell me stories that, uh, they would, uh, let me see, her mom would work like the normal job during the day. So she would get up and go to school or go to work. And then her dad who was running the business would take her to school and then go and start working on the business, stuff like that. And then, um, mom would pick her up from the daycare then dad would come home, they'd have dinner and then dad would take, oh, I'm headed back to work. I'll see you in the morning. I'll take you to school. So it's kind of cool how, um, how she kind of like grew up in that same system, so, so to speak. And yeah, without that, man, there's be no way I'd be allowed to get away with some of the stuff I get away with. So yeah, mad props to them and her for, for putting up with me on that stuff. I hear you. So you're, you have a son or a daughter? You said two. Yeah, I have a son. He's, two and a half now right on right on he's he just full of energy man like every every time i go home we wrestle for a good hour two hours he does a full wwe sort of <laughs> wrestlemania approach and uh you know he's, he's a he's a full dude loves doing all the fun stuff and whenever i get the chance i can i try to spend the most for sure for sure my man you got to print him um, you got to get him uh like a Oh, what is that? Uh, what's the the Mexican wrestling? What do they call that? The, <laughs> I can't, what is it? <laughs> yeah, the luchador. You got to get him a mask. You got to 3D print him a mask, man. Scan his face and get him hooked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he got lots of twice right now. The biggest thing he's hooked on right now, he, he wants every single car that he can see, every single truck. He loves animals. That's the stage he's going through right now. And... When, when we did a, our, our HP color printer install, right, we got um, the first build that we do, the, the, the COI, just to make sure everything is doing okay. One of the prints that come out of that is the Nemo fish. Nice. And he loves that. He takes that everywhere. That's his favorite toy. It's always in the car. It's always with him. And he's just a, he's just a car and animal guy right now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. So do you guys have, do you have a color HP machine in your guys' office then? We we have a color at an innovation center. Okay. Uh, but we have the 42 at our office. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. We have, we put the uh, color printer closer to uh, the incubators and uh, innovation center area near University of Toronto. It just draws on more people so they can see. Uh, but we got a really nice customer experience center by the Pearson International Airport. Okay. And uh, we got the 42 under there. We have the big wrap. We have uh, the mark cores, the metal printers, the, uh, the, the immersive display, the, you name it. It's just a, it's been built, designed for customers to come experience the center before they uh, get themselves into any sort of acquisition around technology. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really great, man. I mean, I wish they had more of those around around in the States. Cause I feel like, you know, there's like the, you know, HP's got their spot out in Palo Alto and then like, you know, carbon's got their spot out there. And then they, they both kind of have like a, a location in, in Atlanta or thereabouts and stuff like that. But you know, like when I was up in Ohio, I mean, there was nothing nearby where you could go and like test drive machines or see them running or anything like that. I remember always having to like take someone's word for it or catch it at rapid or this and that. And I think like, 
I feel like the industry as a whole, if we had more little centers like that located strategically around, it'd be, it would help everyone's adoption of it kind of, uh, kind of take hold a little bit sooner. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and that was the strategy behind why we, we put our customer experience center. We, we strictly opt out from service bureau sort of model because <clears throat> we felt like if we went into the service bureau, then we would be competing with our customers who are buying the technology. Absolutely. Uh, but we, we built the experience center so they can come test run it. Uh, they have questions, you know, there's so much you can do on YouTube and Google and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we're selling tangible objects here. So when people actually get to touch it, to feel it and go through the whole experience, then, then there's no match to that. Yeah, it's a totally different ball game. Plus, you know, what I've found is like a lot of people, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is the um, there was the whole like the whole lead up and the whole hype cycle of 3D printing. And I feel like a lot of folks that were around through that wave in the early 2010, you know, 2010 to 2014, 2015, they kind of got a lot of people you know, they bought into the hype and a lot of folks got burned with, with some junky technology. And I think there's like, there's a little bit of resentment towards that still. And a lot of the folks that are in decision maker roles were around then and they saw that and they just kind of, at least, you know, a lot of folks, they love it. They're, they're still jumping in right now, but there's definitely a, a certain amount of people that they kind of have an arm's length approach to 3d printing until they can go and see it for themselves because they were sold on a unicorn before. And then it, you know, they wrote the check and it wasn't everything. It wasn't all the sample parts they were seeing at the shows. And they learned real quick that, that, uh, you know, there's still, you still have to make the parts. So that's really cool that you guys kind of saw that as a way to be different. And yeah, I mean, not being a service bureau definitely helps because, and that, that'd be a tough sell for me is hi. Yes. Um, I'd like to sell you this machine. Oh, and I, I'm also trying to sell parts to the same people you're going to try and sell the parts to. So way to think outside the, I'll go ahead and say, way to think outside the mold on that one, bud. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. I, I, I get that all the time. Customers say that they bought into um, the technology at the hype. Uh, but, you know, what, one of the things that I really like, and I think this is where we're starting to see the tipping point, is I'm having very uh, few people come and ask me, what is 3D printing then? Right? And then that conversation is, so 2010, now they're asking what materials they can use, mm-hmm. how, what's the process like, you know, what is the investment, how soon can I get my return of investment on, on the acquisition? Yep. It's all the intelligence stuff that they're asking. But where things get a little bit more challenging and tricky, there's so many different companies that are coming to the, coming to the table. Competition is healthy, it's good. But I, I think I was reading an article, there's about 800 companies that came out in the last decades that were solely focused on FFF process. Wow. Right? And how, how, how does a consumer pick a printer that works best, reliable, repeatable? That's where it gets all challenging. And I think working with a professional, somebody who's not only a professional, but somebody who's passionate about the technology and has done their homework, has actually touched and felt and played around with the technology before they sold it, mm-hmm. it's really important to work with those folks and finding them is like finding a needle in the yeah absolutely it's um it's like the sherpa of additive manufacturing is a very tough person to find right now but when you do and when you can or if you can be that person um the person that can literally just break it down into real simple terms of like what are you actually trying to do 
and what type like what are you actually trying to accomplish okay cool i think from an unbiased opinion a b and c right here these are probably the three you need to focus on and the rest of the stuff you can pretty much just rule out you know not completely but this is this is a really good place to start so yeah i think uh folks that folks that have been around and have put their hands on things and 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 run the machines and stuff like that they definitely they definitely help make that that um finding the solution easier for those folks for sure. So, well, what, um, what's some, you know, what's some new things that have caught your eye in additive here lately? The one that, that, that is going to be the next, I think, in my perspective, that's going to be the next big thing. It's how do we connect additive with 5G and IoT, Ooh, right? Everyone's been talking about 5G. Everyone's been talk, talking about um, IoT. And there's a lot of fundamental hardware challenges in that industry to develop um, hardware that is compatible for 5G. One example I could give you is like frequency, right? In 4G, we're I think about 30 gigahertz sort of frequency range, but 5G is going to enable 330 gigahertz. So it's not just a change in software. It's not just a change in, 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 in just a little bit more connectivity. It's a lot of big change. Mm-hmm. And you need to think about new ways of manufacturing electronics, specifically. They're, they're leverage, leveraging additive manufacturing, but they're more designed to tackle the challenges of 5G IoT devices. So that's where I see the companies who are really trying to get ahead and, and, and they want to leverage additive for the 5G industry. That's where I think it's going to be the next big, big burden. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never even heard anyone mention that before, so that's sweet, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's some wild stuff. The whole, the way that uh, it's almost, I saw something the other day, and people, they kind of equate it to this. They're like, you shouldn't just, it five going from 4G to 5G isn't just going from 4G to 5G. It's like going from 4G to 44G or something like that with some fi- some figure that they had thrown out. I'm sure I'm talking, I'm talking out of my realm here a little bit. You can probably elaborate on that, but I was just like, Oh, it's that big of a change. Like I, I was not aware that it was literally that big of a change. So yeah, that's, that's going to be some crazy stuff. It's literally going to change. I mean, I was uh, with some kids at a college the other day and I was joking about how funny, how cool it's going to be when, um, we're 3d printing, like a, if a vehicle's wheels are even still touching the road, if, but if they are the wheels or the tires having, you know, circuitry in them and then there being some circuitry in the roads and it's all just communicating together and it's running on a seamless network and all that. And one of the kids was like, he rose and he's like, yeah, but like I can't even make a phone call around here and, and my cell service drops the call. Like, how's that going to work? And I was like, well, Hey, there's people way smarter than you and I, they're going to put all this together. But that's where I kind of was like, man, this 5g thing is so much more than just going from 4g to 5g. It's literally a gigantic step forward. So I've been, I've been trying to immerse myself into it. It's still uh, uh, such a big um, concept for me to grasp. Um, so every every now and then when I have some time, I'm trying to read some books on it. I'm trying to read some articles and, and immerse myself into the whole 5G and trying to connect the hardware side. And when I start looking at possibilities, I think there's possibilities and endless of what can be done when you get zero latency, right? Right now, the challenge is even... When you and I are communicating, it's taking milliseconds of gap before the information is traveling back and forth. But when you can get that real-time data, and you guys are manufacturing some really exotic and 
functional uh, prosthetics, imagine if you got electronics and that, and you can get real-time data before they fail. Right before they fail, you know, okay, stop. Those are the type of applications going to enable um, the connectivity around uh, vehicles that are traveling by themselves. You cannot have any latency in that, right? If the, if the vehicle right. identifies itself that after the accident, then then that defeats the whole purpose, right? You need to have real-time data. Um, I, I just I can keep on going on and on and on. There's just so much <laughs> that, that that will be enabled after 5G. I think. But how do you convert, connect that with with the industry 4.0 catalyst like uh, robotics and 3D printing and immersive display? That's that's what I'm really excited about. And the other day I was reading a case study where, you know, they're talking about uh, a very specialized doctor or surgeon sitting on the other side of the world and helping out somebody to do a surgery in real time. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to need real time um solutions that are through 5G, but they're also going to need more advanced uh, grippers and surgical guides that are connected through the new uh, right. hardware. And I think that's where additive is going to be also a huge vertical um, that's going to enable some applications. It's just going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, once they open it up to where you can literally, on a on the mass scale, put in... Um, put electronic components right in while you're printing. Like if you were literally able to be printing like a powder bed system and drop in and drop that stuff in, in the flow of building the part, man, it's just going to change everything. It's going to, I mean, I, I get, I get a interesting on the thing about the doctors. I mean, surgeons around the world, you're not going to be flying to the special center to get the special knee surgery anymore. Like they're literally just going to wake up and wherever they are, they're going to like walk into some room in their house or, you know, head to their local, local facility, walk in, like you said, and just perform the surgery all through a computer or from the other side of the world. That's going to be some amazing stuff. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, a lot of this is like, how do you get this to the developing world? How do you, can you get this to the developing world? I mean, literally you just have to have hubs set up to where, you know, folks, they, they travel to that, that localized area and then boom, the doctor is in India or America or Canada or the UK, and they just perform the surgery on the person that's, you know, in a remote jungle here or there. I mean, that that's really going to really change the way the world works. Think about collaborative work, like all the doctors from different parts of the world can all be in the same immersive experience doing one specialized surgery, and they're not all at the same location. I mean, yeah. possibilities endless, man. Like, this, this stuff is exciting. Yeah, it's sweet. I, I like, <laughs> it's funny, man. Like I don't, there's not a lot of folks that I can have this conversation with, but the other fun thing is like, I, I, I joke with folks all the time, like, well, additive is literally the perfect additive manufacturing is the perfect solution to this thing that where technology is moving so fast that you don't want to really invest a lot of money in technology because it's going to change in like 18 months and it's going to be so much, you know, it's going to completely shift to this other thing that might not even be discovered yet. And I always use that. I'm like, man, don't go to injection molding with that particular item that you're making. You're not making a whole lot of them, and you're using a you're, you're using electronics in the part. Man, don't don't go get a, a mold cut, and then you're tied to that mold for four or five years, so you can amortize the cost. And you know, just just use additive, and then you can change the internal pieces to accept the new circuitry or the new chipsets and all this. And people are like, wow, that's crazy. I never thought of it that way. And then you're like, yeah. And then eventually, we're just gonna print the chipsets right into the parts. And they're like what <laughs> their whole mind just yeah. explodes and you're like, I know it's going to be crazy, right? It's going to be crazy. So anyway, that's awesome. We've stuff. already started having dialogue with uh, 
so one of the concepts that I'm, I'm introducing to our team and I talk about it all the time is I'm calling it bridge manufacturing, bridge additive manufacturing mm-hmm. in, from a respect to construction and all that, but more focused, where is additive um, going to really highlight itself? And, and the way I try to describe the bridge additive manufacturing concept is, you know, when you're doing a, your product development, you got a lot of concept development and you got a lot of design iterations and validation. Additive presents a very, very massive opportunity in that scale when you're doing prototyping, early stage development, and design validation, right? Mm-hmm. But right at that point, when you're done doing design validation, you're trying to go to the market. Why go to the market with injection molded tool? What if you know your product is not accepted by the market? Go with low batch production, or even now there's depending on how you classify, you can get really high volumes also on on the additive solutions. Sure. Go with that to the market, see what the feedback is. And if you're getting a great feedback, then invest in tooling and or invest in tooling parallel. Don't wait until the market, you get the full response back because you hopefully you've done your research by then. Mm-hmm. You're investing in tooling on a parallel, but you're already in the market. And then if your volumes go up and you can't support millions of parts through additive, go to injection molding. But now at the end of life cycle, you already have your design and your design concepts, all of that prior to your initial investment, and then you can support end of life cycle with additive, and you're reducing inventory costs. I, I go to these warehouses and um, these companies that they have $4 million, $5 million worth of capital locked into inventory, yep. and I'm trying to explain it to them. It's like, why, why do that? There's certain places where it makes sense, but then there's a lot of opportunities where they have plastic parts and aluminum parts that can very easily be replaced and bring down their operational costs. And, and I think that's where we're seeing a big return of investment right now. Yeah. I mean, I, we get, we get folks in product development all the time or they're like, Hey, I got this really great idea. And I'm like, well, why is it like just that one great idea? Do you have other great ideas or is this just like the only great idea? They're like, Oh my gosh, like, let me get this one off the ground. And then I've got a couple more. I'm going to come back and I'm like, how about you don't go all the way to getting one off the ground with an injection tool? Why don't you prototype? all five of your great ideas and roll all five of them out using additive manufacturing and let whichever one is the best truly be the best and take off. And then bam, there you go. Like the ability to start, start a business or start with four or five concepts using the advantage of additive is it to me far outweighs going all in on one that you think is correct, but the market might not agree with you. So that's a, I totally agree, man. Yeah, and cutting cutting down of uh, of inventory is key. I mean, we're we're a startup too, man. It's all about the the cash flow and that. I couldn't imagine sinking. I mean, we sunk a bunch of money into a printer and into computers and all that fun stuff and software, as you know, you know, to run it all. But man, just uh, if I was selling one product and I had to go all in and and then sit on a bunch of inventory, that would make me nervous. So, so anyway, well, well, cool, man. Well. It's been really great chatting with you, man. I haven't talked to you in a little while, so this is awesome. Yeah, I think we're, we're both on the, the busy busy schedule right now. The year always starts off slowly and then very quickly. It's moving like a rocket. And, and I mean, it's exciting. It's great. You guys are probably going through growing pains yourself. We're definitely seeing that in our company that, you know, we kind of went through a hyper growth very quickly. Um, we were recognized as sort of the leaders in, in, in our community, how we supply the added solutions, how we 
supply the 3D. So, it, you know, schedule is always tight, but we'll make the best of what we can. I am looking forward to AMUG, though. I'm going to be there uh, this March. Uh, are, are you are you coming to the AMUG? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I've got that circled starred. I've got some of those little uh, shiny star stickers on the calendar for that one. I can't wait. AMUG is my favorite uh of the things I've been to so far, it's my favorite conference. Uh, I I did go to uh, Formrex uh, a couple of years back. Yeah. And from from a from a sales standpoint, understanding products and meeting partners and relationships, it was great for that. But Amug has been my personal favorite also uh, from a learning standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I love the concept of when you get Amug. So that's. That's that's really exciting, you know. Meeting the people that that are on a similar wavelength, they're not new to 3D printing. They're, they're they know the process, they know the technology, and you can get unbiased opinion mm-hmm. on uh, where the where the industry is pivoting and make your decisions according to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I look forward to that. I'll, I'll see you there. We're gonna we're gonna do our TikTok. Um, yeah. When I feel <laughs> for sure i gotta get it on that tiktok magic man i uh I, real quick one here i had a guy in town in the town i just moved to and uh i was like man you gotta get on tiktok it's crazy and i've, I've not had anything pop on tiktok yet I, i'm still learning but he was like i can i can i can't all the time at all the time at all the time and then the other day he made a post on uh, instagram and facebook and he was like uh, just letting you guys know i uh i just had a video on tiktok reach 150,000 views and i was like Dang, dude. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> it was crazy. So, yeah. yeah, we'll have to do that for sure. But, well, cool. Harger Deep, man. It was great talking to you. Good luck in Quebec. I hope you enjoy the weather. Is it, uh, let's see, should I do the Celsius or Fahrenheit? What do you, what do you, kind of temperatures do you got up there this week? We, we go by the Celsius. So, we're, we're, we're not in our igloos and we're not on the sleds right now. We're <laughs> at two degrees Celsius. So, that's, uh, it's all right. It's decent. It's, uh, it's unusual. We usually have minus Celsius at this time. Yep. Uh, but but two is two is not too bad. Right we on, did man. just uh, go through like a crazy uh, snowstorm. Newfoundland last two weeks ago got like eight feet of snow. It was crazy. It was just way too much. Yeah, that's um, insane. Toronto got hit too, but most of that is melted. Right on. Right on. Well, cool, brother. All right, well- man. Well, enjoy enjoy the rest of your week. I'm sure uh, I'll be uh, talking to you throughout. But uh, great, great chatting again. It's been a while, so good that we caught up. For sure, for sure. That sounds good, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you again at AMUG. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I had a great time. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, we'll see you. And that was my main man, Hargadeep Singh. He's uh, located up in Toronto, man. He's uh, started from the bottom. Now I'm here, guy. So that's a that's a little Drake shout out there. Also from Toronto, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> so I try to keep well-versed in the pop culture stuff. as a horrible joke. I'm going to get killed for that. But hey, that's why you're all here. That's why you're all listening. <laughs> Y'all have a great night. Thank you for checking in on episode two of the Kicking It With podcast. This was Hargadeep Singh and I am Zach Holcomb. Out.